Hello everyone, I'm Nikki Gibbs, Midland County Great Start Collaborative Director here in Michigan and also a facilitator for our Community Listens. For today, we're going to take a look at reflective listening, but we're going to explore the things that although we might do out of good intentions when we are listening to our children and teens, these are the things that sometimes we actually need to avoid. So let's first start with thinking about when our child or teen comes to us with a problem. It might be a problem that they are having with the world around them or another person, or a problem that, frankly, we presented them with. Once they have that problem, their emotion is heightened. And what do we want to do as parents? We want to care for our child. We may want to fix the problem. We want our child to feel as if they are not alone. These intentions are good, but sometimes those intentions can drive us to do things that actually might reduce our child's willingness to share with us and create barriers to connection. So let's look at an example. The example I'm going to share with you today was with my daughter Katie many years ago. She is now a college student, but this was back when she was probably in middle school. Katie was part of 4-H in middle and high school and she showed animals year round. And one year Katie was showing at the fair, our local fair, and she discovered that a friend of hers that has the exact same birthday as she has, had actually entered themselves to show their animals in the younger age group instead of moving into the older age group as required. And she noticed it. And she was bothered because she viewed it as cheating. And when that child's mom noticed it, she didn't go and make the correction with the show superintendent. As you can probably see that, you know, Katie had a problem with this. Um, it was not a solution and a situation of integrity. Um, she thought that child should not be competing against the younger age group. And what did I want to do? Well, I wanted to fix the problem for her. I wanted to tell her, this is the solution I think you should have. So part of my brain wanted to tell Katie it was okay. I wanted to do this because it would seemingly fix her emotional disruption. After all, it feels as if parents just saying, hey, it's okay, makes it okay. Children trust us and they believe in us. But if I just tell Katie it's gonna be okay, I don't give her a chance to feel her emotional disruption. And difficult emotions when they are temporary are actually good for your children to feel. And when they overcome them, it gives them a sense of accomplishment and independence. And they grow into adults that understand the value of difficult emotions because they push us to change and growth. So saying okay to Katie might've made me feel better, but it wasn't going to solve her problem. It wasn't gonna help her solve her problem. And it wasn't going to take the problem away. Another part of me wanted to tell her about a time when I had a similar problem. As a matter of fact, very close to that time frame, just a few weeks prior, I had had a similar problem at work. It was very recent. And when Katie discovered this situation, I could feel all of my emotions coming back to me from my work problem. And although remembering that emotion was going to help me be empathetic with her, sharing my example was going to take the wheel of the conversation away from Katie and make me the driver. And then Katie would feel robbed of the chance to continue sharing and would probably shut down. Because when children are sharing their problems and their struggles with us, it's like they're driving a car. And when we 
jump in with our examples or our, our past learnings that we've had in our life, it's saying, here, I'll take the wheel and I'll handle this. And of course, a big part of me wanted to fix the problem. And this could happen in two ways. It was all I could do not to go into mama bear mode, go right to the show superintendent who I knew personally and report the problem. Because fixing it for them makes it our problem. We take over the problem, we take over the solution. And although it feels like we are protecting them, we are inhibiting their emotional and intellectual growth. Because we basically say to our child or teen, that was your problem and now it's my problem. Another way to fix this problem for Katie would be to give her my advice. We are grown-ups, and we feel our advice is full of wisdom and our kids need it. Why is that a problem? When we get, jump in and give our advice, it creates an environment where children do not engage their own creativity to solve their own problems. We create a sense of dependency on us as parents, which sometimes can feel good. But by fixing the problem or telling them how to solve it, we do not grow their ability to be their own problem solvers. Our solutions might sound good, but children may find a false sense of buy-in to those solutions, and they might not really be dedicated and engaged in trying it. So ultimately, listening to them and then letting them think through their own solution is the way we want to go. So let's review. Giving advice, telling our own stories, telling them it will be okay, they all feel really good to us, and they often feel very right but they stop the process of balancing logic and emotion for our child. Listening helps balance that logic and emotion. And if we stop that process, they could stay out of balance for a long time and become so full of emotion that they can't function. And it also stops them from creatively thinking through some of their solutions. Katie's need to talk about this problem and have me listen actually went on for several days of our county fair. She needed to vent out her frustration, her shock, and her ideas on how to handle the problem. During that time, it was important for me to stay away from adding to the conversation. I was empathetic with her. I was present with her. I encouraged her to keep sharing. I recognized how she felt. I just kept encouraging her to keep talking and sharing while I was silent and present. I continually sent back to Katie the facts and the feelings that she was having so that she knew she was being heard. After a few days, she made a decision on how she would handle it, and I needed to accept her decision. What happened because I spent that time listening to her and not jumping in and giving advice or fixing the problem, first Katie felt heard. And even at 20 years old, she will often tell me how, how deeply she felt heard and connected to me that week. She felt that I trusted her to solve her own problems. She felt empowered and independent. She's now 19 and just the other day, her doctor's office told her that everyone that works in the office thinks that she's the most mature 19 year old they have ever talked to because she knows how to contact her doctor about a problem. She knows how to talk about the problem. She sometimes comes to me for advice when she's stuck, but it is after a long time of thinking and trial and error for her. It is not in the moment or the days where she needs to vent about the problem. I was able at that time to stay out of a heightened place of emotion because I didn't make it my own problem. Our connection grew and her trust in me grew. This takes practice and intentionality. Our brains have muscle memory and they want to do what we have always done. 
So if any of those things that we've just talked about, about not doing when you're, when you're listening, they feel like you've done them for so long that you want to keep doing them, it's okay. Just keep practicing. Parenting is a process of growth.